welcome and a happy new year to the latest and greatest episode of Game Rivals. Welcome to Season 3. I am your host, Maximilian X, and as always with me is the lovable, the huggable, the PlayStation Astro fanboy, Sean Templar. How's it going, Sean? I'm just shaking my head here, but I'm good. How are you, uh, Maximilian? <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, it's been, well, I mean, I guess for everybody, it's been a weird year. Um, so, first of all, thank you guys so much for uh, for listening to the podcast over the over the past year. And thank you to all the new uh, listeners that we got over, uh, over the past couple of months. We really appreciate it. It's been a, a crazy year, a crazy ride. But to hear people um, be so enthusiastic and supportive has really, uh, I think, has really motivated us to keep going because, you know, it can be difficult. And sometimes there's not a lot to talk about because there's not a lot happening or the whole industry is working towards this one moment that a new game comes out or a new console or two or three in this case. Can't see that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's basically how it is. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's, I mean, it's the beginning of a new year, which means that there's not a lot because we're still in the holiday season. Uh, so there's not a lot of news to talk about, uh, maybe one or two things, but we're going to mostly focus this episode on our predictions for 2021 in gaming. Um, so I don't know if there's anything that you want to bring up news-wise, Sean, that, uh, that you want to talk about. Um, not a lot. I just saw an article the other day in which... The, there's not really like an, an estimate coming out of Sony, but there are rumors or predictions that the PS5 sold around 3.4 million in the first four weeks, and their aim is to sell around 7.6 million before the fiscal year ends, which is in March of 2021, and, um, and they want to churn out close to 16 to 18 million PlayStation 5s this year. Um, so yeah, those are crazy numbers. Microsoft is not talking about sales figures. They they don't do that anymore. Even now with the Series X, they just don't want to talk about it. I think the only thing they, they do mention is how many Game Pass subscribers they have, which is a lot. But uh, yeah, I mean, besides that, it's really quiet. I think everybody's just slowly getting back into it and uh, preparing for uh, the gaming goodness that is going to come out this year. Yeah, I mean, well, game for I mean for Xbox, Game Pass is the money that always comes, you know, in. So that's like a constant flow of money. I it makes complete and total sense for them to be all about yes, let's talk about that instead of talking about the hardware sales. I mean, even if they were to outsell PlayStation, I don't think they would bring it up again because that is not very much i mean it brings in the money but again they lose a lot of money with the sales of the xbox uh, series uh s s and x so man those titles that i'm never, <laughs> I'm never ever going yeah. to get used to that yeah, the funny thing though is this and i mentioned this to, to gizmo and he said oh you're such a big place it's your fanboy and it's all sony and the rest can't beat it but like I, I was looking online. Uh, I mean, the scalpers have been selling PlayStations for crazy amounts, but I think a, a big shipment of Series Xs came in, at least in the Netherlands, because 
I've been seeing Series Xs pop up online for sale. But the funny thing is that they go for 550, 600, 625 maybe at the most. Whereas with the PS5, it was like 750 for a digital edition and a thousand for a disc edition. Um, so it, it's crazy that people are selling their Series X for such a low amount, or at least that they they think they can get so little for it. And I mm. think that kind of um, shows that the PlayStation is just so much more popular. And I mentioned this before, it's like, we know Microsoft is going to come out with a huge stable of games in the next few years. I mean, that's why they did all the acquisitions. I just wonder if it's not going to be too late because but the way it looks, it's basically like, everybody's buying a PS5 or wants to buy a PS5 because the PS4 was the best-selling console this generation. Their friends are all on PS4 or mostly on PS4. Yes, there's cross-play, but I feel that it either doesn't matter or it doesn't get the attention it deserves, taking a, causing that boundary that, that exists to be taken away. So it's still there. I mean, we don't use cross-play when, uh, when we play Call of Duty. It was this friend of ours on PC he used to play with us, but that is so irregular that we all just play together and we're all on PS4. We, we don't know anybody that has an Xbox that wants to play with us. Um, so, it, I mean, I, I wonder if it's not going to be like a situation in which by the time Microsoft comes out with their amazing games, Sony will have come out with all, uh, great games in the meantime as well because they are also churning out games and that... It's kind of like a done deal for the Series X, and maybe, and maybe that's the reason why they are focusing so much on Game Pass because they kind of know, like, yeah, coming out of this generation, it's not the best for us, so let's just focus on the games on Game Pass so that we can get in massive people there. But then I'd wonder why put all that effort into creating a console instead of saying we're just going to become a publisher and just publish great games, and if you want to play our games, Game Pass is the way to do it. Yeah. Or maybe like a setup box that you hook up to your TV and you stream it with a controller because as far as I can see in here, xCloud is pretty good. So it's not like it's a pretty bad, laggy service. Yeah, but there also has been a rumor um, recently that Microsoft is, well, it's not so much a rumor as we know that they're working on something uh, as kind of like a dongle type thing device that you put in your like TV. Like a Chromecast maybe. Like a Chromecast thing for xCloud. And we know that Phil, uh, uh, Phil Spencer has been talking about it. So it's not it's not like as a matter of if it's going to ha happen, just a matter of when it's going to happen. I f I, at least I feel that, that in that case. And when they do that, I think uh, Stadia will better move over. And, uh, <laughs> Luna never stood a chance at that point because they have they have a bigger library, and you don't have to buy games separately to get into that. Whereas Luna or Game Pass, no, for Game Pass because oh, yeah. the the games in XCloud come you know come with the service. You don't have to buy them separately. At least with Luna, you. Subscribe if you if you subscribe to a channel or you have a subscription that you can tack on, you can do just that. But I like that idea more than um, Stadia because with Stadia oh, yeah, you, you buy the game. But I, I'm a the thing is, is with Stadia, I'm just afraid that if I buy a game on Stadia, 
Google's eventually going to pull the plug on Stadia and say like, ah, you know what? It didn't turn out as we wanted to. So we're pulling the plug and then you just lose all those games. Yeah. And with, with and, the subscription, you can just say like, oh yeah, I'll just cancel my subscription to that channel. Yeah, true. And you don't have to worry about losing your saves because, you know, Ubisoft now has that whole cross-save stuff. It with works all their really well, games. actually. It's just really crazy that they've yeah. done that, by the way. Yeah, it's funny that I used it for Watch Dogs Legion because I uh, bought it on PS4 initially. And then you can um, upload your save from the PS4 version to Ubisoft Connect. And then you go to the PS5 version and then you download it. And then I think the save is kept in two places. It's kept on the PlayStation so it can go to PlayStation Plus cloud saves. But it's also put into Ubisoft's cloud, Ubisoft Connect. So... It, it, it works. The downloading of the save and uploading of the save takes a little while, but besides that, I was surprised on how well it worked because before I bought Watch Exclusion, I was like, eh, I don't know if I should buy it on the PS4 or wait for the PS5 version. And then they came out with the use of Connect article. I'm like, yeah, but this sounds too good to be true. I mean, Ubisoft and promises. But eventually it worked. So I was like, wow, that's really nice. They just delivered on it. Well, the extreme version of that is uh, I saw a you I I don't remember the YouTuber's name that I saw do it. Um, oh, right, it's it was beat 'em ups uh, on YouTube, and he has he he showed off that he was um, how how it works for s switching from um, Immortals yeah. from the Switch version to his PlayStation version. And that was pretty much the same deal, and it was working seamlessly. Oh, you can you bring it cross-platform. Yeah. It's, it's cross-platform. That's nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So the cool thing is he's like, okay, so if I want to play it when it's really – to make it look really pretty, I just transfer the save and then play on my PlayStation 5. That's nice. And then when, I, and then when he's done, he transfers it back to his Switch so that he can play, you know, like in bed or whatever. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. That's really nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not as pretty, but, you know, if you're just playing on a little screen, it doesn't really matter, yeah. so... I like being able to take a game on the go, and then, I mean, it's it kind of fulfills the promise of um, enjoying a game in the best way possible, and that's both on the go as well as on home, because on the go, the Switch is probably the best way to experience it, and when you're at home, maybe a PlayStation or an Xbox would be the best way to experience it. Wow, that's really nice. Yeah. And guess what? Ubisoft did it before Microsoft even had a chance. Yeah, I'm just wow. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe maybe not because of because of XCloud, but you know, considering that XCloud is only available on Android at the moment, yeah, kind of Ubisoft kind of beats them put to the punch because it is literally cross-platform compatible. Wow. I mean, like, I'm just shocked here. I'm, wow. <laughs> Yeah, Ubisoft is doing some really weird stuff, but it's really cool, and I'm digging yeah. it. The only thing is that you'd have to own the game on both platforms. That is the only thing. Okay. But if you, but if you have, but for example, if you're playing on PC and you have, uh, and you have Uplay. a subscription to UPlay, then yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, you oh. can probably. I mean, especially now after the after the holidays, I'm pretty sure you could still find like a really good deal. I almost bought. Um, uh, Immortals for Switch because they were selling it for what was it thirty seven bucks? Uh, yeah, the Ubisoft have, is having a crazy sale. I bought uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the PlayStation Five for I think 
it was 48 euros yeah and i was and normally it's 80 70 because the funny thing is is the day before i wanted to buy it i was playing a game uh, which i'll talk about in a bit and i said to myself like no no i need to finish this game first before i buy uh valhalla and because i finished that game and then they, the day after i bought valhalla i got it for the cheap discount if i hadn't done that i'd pay full price and i would be pretty mad because i would have figured out that valhalla's discounted <laughs> yeah nice i mean that's the same thing i almost did it but it was, i still have a lot of games to finish on the switch oh, so you, like, you know what no it's fine it's fine uh, there'll be many more sales I, I'm still on the fence on maybe I should get a subscription to you play and do it for like a month, but it's 15 bucks and like 15 bucks for a month. Mm, I'm still on the fence. I'll see. Uh, maybe after I finished a couple of games, I'll do it. Um, I really want to, I really want to play Watch Dogs Legion. Um, I want to check out uh, Valhalla as well. And I want to check out Immortals as well, but I really want to, I really want to play and finish uh, Watch Dogs Legion when I have the chance. So, yeah. So, I mean, outside of that, um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of news. I mean, that's I guess the biggest thing. The the, the biggest thing in quotes. Uh, you can't see quotes because it's audio. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, it's the, not audio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only other thing. The only other thing, that to, at least to me, that was of kind of value was we finally got to see more of the Super Nintendo World um, Park that is a, that is opening February fourth, actually, in Universal Studios Japan, and it looks really sweet. They have really cool uh, interactions that you can do with this power band that they call it. You can pick it up in the park, and there are missions that you can do incorporation with the app so the app will tell you oh you this these are the places that you can do, go and do these things and they had they had this cool vignette of uh miyamoto-san actually showing off a few of these things the only one that he didn't show off was of course the mario kart uh ride which i'm really looking forward to because they actually put out an ad kind of showing off how it's supposed to work and it's really and it looks really cool I can't wait to experience it someday, but it, I know that it's not going to be anytime soon, but someday. And I, someone also took footage of one of the other rides, which is a Yoshi ride, but that stuff got uh, got taken down really quickly because <laughs> Nintendo works really quickly when it comes to that stuff like that. But I did see it, and oh boy, it's it looks really fun. Like, it's a slow ride. But you can see that they put a lot of attention to details in it, and a lot of love went into it. And it and it just looks like a lot of fun. So yeah, you know, maybe someday um, if you can find the ad, I'm pretty sure you can find it somewhere online. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I guess that's like the biggest, not even the biggest. That's just a thing that happened. So I guess that's it for news. I guess so. I mean, let's just switch over to predictions because we can do something with that i guess yeah yeah um do you have anything <laughs> i i have enough i mean um i'm just holding off on my volume because there's a vacuum cleaner going off in the background okay so i'll, I'll go i'll go first go, uh, yeah sure all right so um let's see what we got 
So we have a bunch of things here. We have we have a we have a list uh, of stuff that is that's supposed to come out this year, right? I'm just gonna start with the most obvious one, um, which is Halo Infinite. Which is we know they're saying that they want to launch it this fall, which is fine. I'm hoping that they can do it because it also happens to be the 20th anniversary for the series. So that yeah, apparently yeah, apparently it's been twenty years since Master Chief graced our consoles. Wow, wow. And our collective minds. Wow. So I don't know if I don't know if they were planning on doing something big with with Halo, considering that they were aiming for it to be a launch title for the Xbox series. So pushing it out was maybe for the best because now they can really like if they are able to if they're able to finish the game and have it be as polished as you know people expect it to be they can really go out with the celebration for their 20th anniversary that's what i mentioned like if i wonder if during that gameplay reveal last year so strange thing last year because it's only been two days but like, <laughs> if during that gameplay reveal they did a couple of months ago, if people hadn't reacted so badly, if they would have just brought out the game, because they've said multiple times, because of your feedback, blah, 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 we really want this game to be the best version that it can be, and that's why we're postponing this game. But I wonder if the backlash, put it that way, hadn't been so big, if they just wouldn't have gone out and said like, oh, well, people like it they they don't think it looks bad or something let's just release it as it is mm, i don't know considering the turnover they've had at 343 and at microsoft uh studios over this game i don't think so because even even if the reaction wasn't as bad as it was i'm sure that people that are working on the game weren't happy with the results themselves so why so you can do one of two things you can either complain about it or you can leave the project uh, and the company altogether which it seems people did that so if i if if it wasn't that i think they would say well um we don't feel that it, it's at where we feel that's okay so we're going to take more time to bring it out that was that would be something that i think that they would do so uh, in that regard I'm not 100% sure, but if they do make it, I think we're going to... This this year, by the way, has a lot of anniversary, so it's going to make predictions a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, this is one of them. Uh, anniversary, right? Zelda's 35th is up, and Metroid's 30th. Oh, wow. Well, that's good. Uh, wow, that's going to be an exciting year for Nintendo fans. And Pokemon's 25th. Yeah, but they'll probably do... Is Pokemon Snap not, not coming out this year? Pokemon Snap didn't have a date, but I think the aim was 2021. Okay. And I'm pretty that. sure... Oh, my goodness. I hate that they called it this. New Pokemon Snap, because that is the title, people. Oh. oh is it time to go? No, I, I was uh, doing some laundry and then, like put in a timer so it doesn't sit in too much. Ah, no, I okay. know. I, have to I know. I know. <laughs> I gotcha. You know, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So at least um, in terms of that, I think if they if they time it right and they're able to finish the game, they I think they're going to do a really big thing with not just Halo Infinite, but just the Halo franchise in general. If things go back to somewhat normal, I can assume that they will also do something like a concert to commemorate the event. That'd be nice. Because that because you know, one of the things that people do associate with the Halo franchise is its orchestral uh, score. So that would be really cool for Halo fans and a really cool thing for Microsoft fans. Yeah. Yeah, the funny thing is is that a lot of uh, news outlets have said that getting an idea around how the game is has been strange because there are no VR events people can go to to get, like, a preview build of the game. Developers have either resorted to going into, like, a Discord channel and showing a game off to people, but the the journalists not actually being able to play the game, or mm-hmm. I don't know, something like, uh, I think in the case of Cyberpunk, they used a, a GeForce Now kind of solution in which the game was running off a high-end PC, but you took over that PC remotely and played the game, which is still a bit odd um so yeah i mean i i wonder because they said that the the multiplayer is a free component of uh, halo infinite and uh apparently it's going to be kick-ass well the multiplayer always was good in in halo um I, I don't know i mean i talked to a friend of mine he has a series x and he said when are you buying a series x and i'm like well normally i wouldn't but to be honest maybe for halo infinite i i would why an X though? Because I, you see, I've thought about a Series S, but you come to that point where you're like, if I have a 4K TV and I want to be able to play everything in 4K, and um, I mean, I don't, I'm not sold on the Series S part because it's consistently, a, it looks like a subpar experience. Like all the games that I've heard so far about are not even running at like full HD 60 FPS on the Series S is always like a, a, a middle road kind of solution. Whereas the way Microsoft kind of promised it, or at least the way marketing pointed out to was, well, Series X will do 4K, Series S will do 2560, you know? But there are almost no games that do 2560. And if they do it, it has all these small caveats to it instead of saying, no, it's just a full game. All the graphics are uh, options are enabled. It's just 2560, you know? Because... I thought it was basically going to be a 1X, but faster. But it's turning out to be something completely different because it's, I think, weaker than a 1X. So it's, it's really strange because I thought, oh, well, they, they, they can't go below a 1X. But apparently they did. And that's why it's getting this crazy... I mean, like the other day, um, a friend of ours got a, a Series X. They bought it through Bull. And then the same day I went online and looked and there was just plenty of Series S stock available. I was like, buy now, get it tomorrow. If you have select, you can get it tonight. I'm like, this doesn't this doesn't look good. This is, doesn't sound promising, you know? And and the funny thing is, is up to the launch of the Series X, you could still buy a Series S. I'm like, no, but this is supposed to be your middle ground console. This is not working. <laughs> oh, it's no. It's kind of sad, you know? Yeah. 
That is, wow, that is really sad. <laughs> but I, okay, so I get your point in that, but I also feel that not everybody has upgraded to a 4K TV yet. So I guess for those who have not upgraded yet, it shouldn't be a problem. But if you're going to upgrade in the future, it might. I also feel that if that's going to be the case, um, I think it has to do with just developers either finding a way to make it work on the Series S. I think that's the main thing because that pretty sure they all focused on getting it up and running to its best ability on the Series X over the S. But and they didn't put there, any focus on that. The funny thing there is that a lot of games run better on the PS5 than on the Series X. I mean, I think just now they've been able to kind of get the PS of the the Xbox Series X version up to par with the the PS5 version of Assassin's Creed Valhalla and uh Dirt 5 had the same thing that the less power console has the best experience and that's <laughs> so contradictory because you'd expect it to be the other way around, you know? And I mean, like I think the the further we get into this generation, we'll really start to see the difference between raw horsepower and what was it, 15, 16 teraflops of compute, what they're talking about, up against, or was it 13, I don't know, up against 10, but Sony uses the variable frequency, which should be able to kind of give you the same amount, or consistent power instead of going up and all the way. So I I, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I mean, I know some people, they're, they are just looking at the numbers and they're just talking about, yeah, but the Xbox Series X is more powerful, so it's the better console. And I deliberately do not go into those conversations because I'm like, these people don't see the full picture and it's like talking to a wall. You, you won't be able to convince them instead mm -hmm. of saying like, yeah, but what use is the most powerful console in the world to you if you don't have any games to play on it? And if I throw that argument, they're like, but, 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 but uh, you know? So <laughs> I try not to go into those conversations, but... Yeah, I mean, the, the 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 thing is, is besides Halo Infinite, there isn't a lot that's coming to Series X this year. Not that we know of. And that's, yeah. I think, also part of the reason why we're doing the predictions is yeah. that there's not a lot that we... There are games that have been confirmed coming out this year, right? So that is one. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy, we know that is that's one. We know that... Horizon Forbidden West is also one that's coming out this year. When this year, I don't know. I hope 12 minutes. Um, I think 12 minutes is coming out this year. I really want to play that game. That was still not out? It, no, it's coming sometime in 2021. But, I mean, that game looks amazing. I thought it was... I mean, I know it's an indie title, so I thought it was like a launch title for the, for the Series oh. X. Oh, here it says uh, sometime in 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that game looks just, I don't know. I, I like the idea. Yeah, I'm honestly, it's one of the reasons I'm like, oh, maybe I should maybe I should get um, Game Pass when that comes out. Yeah, I'll probably and then play it on the PC. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the funny thing you mentioned, Horizon Forbidden West, is that a lot of people are looking forward to uh, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok, if Ragnarok's going to be the yet name. But I'm just afraid that Ragnarok is going to get pushed because the thing that they're talking about is that um, Horizon Forbidden West is going to be a holiday game. So it's going to be Q3 or Q4. And if 
God, no way that they're going to release God of War in the first six months of the year. So if they're smart, they'll do it. Like in last time in April, I don't think that game is, is that far along. I mean, Horizon has more time behind it. But um, I'm afraid that God of War is going to get pushed into 2022. On one side, I wouldn't mind. At the other side, I'm like, yeah, but then don't announce it. Then announce it this year and say it's coming out next year instead of saying like, oh, we have one more surprise for you. And it's boy. And I'm like, yeah, but boy is not coming out for the next two years. I mean, it, it doesn't sound plausible. Well, that's what we call creating buzz. And yeah. honestly, outside of Sony fans are lucky because they at least have titles that they can play on the PlayStation 5 that is made specifically for the PlayStation 5. But Microsoft didn't. And I feel that they I feel that they felt the need to get the hype as high as possible for the PlayStation 5. And that's why they announced it. I don't know because that's this, literally the only, that's literally the only reason. I, yeah, but there's this crazy rumor floating around that Sony has a huge stable of games they haven't announced yet, purely because they were kind of using it to counter the Halo Infinite launch. But because that didn't happen, they were like, "Oh well, then don't have to announce this. We can keep those to a later point." And one of those announcements is a Metal Gear Solid remake of the first Metal Gear done by Bluepoint. Another one is a Silent Hill game coming exclusively to the PlayStation 5. There is like crazy stuff in there. I don't know to what extent it's true, but if it is, that's some pretty crazy stuff. So what, they got the license to do it then? Apparently, <laughs> apparently it's been in development at Bluepoint for three years. It's a deal they made with Konami. The game director is apparently Mark Cerny. He's got the blessing of Kojima. Th those are the rumors that are floating around. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not a strange rumor because Konami's all in on Pachinko, I think. And there are apparently games they release. So I think if they get like a huge bag of money from Sony saying, hey, we want some of your IPs exclusively on the PlayStation. Here's a huge pile of money. They're like, where do we sign? Because... Um, they rarely bring out any... Can you name one game? Pest. Yeah, besides Pest. And the funny thing with Pest is, is they, they did something really good there. They said, yeah, we don't have enough content to justify a full release for 60 bucks. So we're going to bring out an, an expansion pack that will just have all the new names and the teams and updated rosters. That's going to be 30. And next year, we'll be bringing out... So this year... Uh, a full pass, which is actually taking advantage of new hardware as well, which is like a fully-fledged game. I'm like, oh, that is just amazing. I wish FIFA did that, because I know people that play FIFA, and they say, like, yeah, EA is all in on Ultimate Team. They just want to make a load of money on the on the booster packs with the cards and stuff like that. I was just about to say that. I was like, EA, are you listening? You can do it this way, yeah. still make money off it, and not piss people off. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. I don't understand. Like, FIFA is the... Like, all sports games are this. They are the perfect example of a live service game you can do well. Because basically, you bring out the game, and you charge 60 bucks. And then every year you bring out an expansion pack for 30 bucks, which includes updated rosters and whatnot. But at the same time, in those gaps, you can just do content updates, adding new features to the game because 
the problem is, is those teams generally get, I think, like a year to develop a game that they charge 60 bucks for. And then, I mean, I don't, I don't play FIFA anymore, but from what I've heard, it's just the, the changes are so small that they could have easily added that in an update or an expansion instead of a full-fledged release. I mm-hmm. mean, like, I think people would seriously like this because you can just give people a lot of great content. You can give your team a lot of time to develop something good because when a game comes out, we know that the team always splits up in two. You get the live team, which is a smaller team that just maintains the game and works on smaller features. And you have the main team that just does something else. And if you do this for FIFA, you can probably, I mean, look at what Activision is doing. They churn out a new Call of Duty every year, but the way they do it is that they have three or four studios working on a game each, so that every Call of Duty game gets two to three years of development time, making it a good experience. I don't know if people are getting tired of Call of Duty, but still, you know, every game is unique. That's true. I'm actually kind of curious, like, how the community is picking up on Cold War, by the way. I'm not hearing a lot. Um, that's me. I played the free uh, multiplayer week, and it is just... It is a completely different game compared to Modern Warfare. Modern Warfare just plays so, 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 so smooth. And, I mean, the gunplay and everything is really nice. And we just, we can't get into Cold War. So we tried it a couple of times, but I almost threw my controller at the wall. And that's enough for me to say, like, okay, I'm not going to play this game. <laughs> I have no opinion on it. I played the, the free week. I did play the free week. I actually made space on my PlayStation 4 hard drive and played a couple of days. And it does feel different, um, the multiplayer. It's not, it, it, at least it wasn't, it wasn't really something that I was used to because uh, the, the, what do you call, the locomotion is different in that game. I think that's one of the things that you can, there are things that you can do in Cold War that you can't do in Modern Warfare that I was not used to. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't like. I said I don't really have an opinion on it. I, I don't feel like if it's better or it's worse or it's, it's a different, different. game. You it's different. Feel that in yeah. every sense of it. I mean, they have subtle changes that movement. So if you push the stick forward, you'll walk slower, but you'll also create less noise, which is really nice. Um, when you slide over the ground, it takes you longer to get out of that slide. So you can't just slide, get up, slide, get up, slide, get up which is more realistic. But, I mean, maybe it's because I couldn't play hardcore, and I always play hardcore. And because I couldn't play hardcore, I needed to play core, and I hate hate core. Because sometimes you have to dump a whole magazine in somebody, and I just, no, no. With hardcore, it's like two, three bullets, and it's done, you know? And because hardcore was not in the the free week, I was like, yeah, but I can't play this, man. And that's maybe what, what put me off. Hmm. So maybe if you're able to play in hardcore, you maybe see a di- difference enough to get you over the over the hump. I don't know. I mean, like the setting really is nice. I, I love the setting. Um, it's just that I, oh, but because also the same what they did with with Warzone now. So they brought out an update which is supposed to tie Warzone on Modern Warfare and Black and Black Ops together. So you have Black Ops weapons in Warzone. You can unlock them in Warzone, but you can't use them in multiplayer. So oh. um, only if you have Black Ops, because then you can use those in the Black Ops multiplayer. 
and as well as the battle pass you can buy the battle pass but if you unlock things that are specific to black ops and you don't have black ops you can't use the unlocks so what's the use of buying the battle pass for modern warfare if i can't use it that's a weird thing yeah i mean i i i guess i mean i understand why it's just so weird you and me both um i will say this though i do legit want to check out the single player just for the amsterdam level yeah it's it's really cool i've I heard that yeah i mean the i've 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 seen clips of uh npcs talking dutch and that and that is still so weird i because every almost every game you play it's in English, or unless you're me and you play JRPGs, you choose the Japanese language track. But to hear <laughs> Dutch in a game never gets we- not weird. I mean, it's I- funny and it's really cool, and they're having actual conversations. So that's one thing. It, at least it's that because I've heard it in other games before. The, the rare times then they do, and it's just one liners, and you're like, oh, they spoke a line of Dutch. Cool. But it's the same like in uh, in Assassin's Creed. They've done it for years, in which they um, go to a they have a country or a, a language that their character is supposed to speak. So, for example, in Odyssey, they're in Greece. So, what they'll do is is and they do this with every Assassin's Creed game. They'll um, the whole game will be in English. All the dialogue and the voice acting will be in English. But then they'll throw in some Latin words, like when they're going to swear or something. And then in the subtitles, you can see what it's supposed to mean and i'm like but don't do that that's like saying we're an authentic greek setting game and we use greek words and it was like no man because it it breaks the experience i mean i had the same thing with and i don't know if it's still possible on the ps4 but i know on the ps3 games would be localized for dutch as well so the first time i played uncharted uh uh, nathan uh, what was it called drake's fortune the first one my playstation was in dutch so I start playing the game, and the character says, "Come, Drake, we gaan." And I'm like, "It, it says, Wait, hey, the, Drake." The, the voice acting was in Dutch. Yeah, but is it like, "Come, Drake, we gaan"? And I thought, like, and it means, "Hey, Drake, let's go." And I thought, like, "No, we're not going anywhere. We're going back to English. We're not going to play this whole game in Dutch." <laughs> and I switched to English. Oh god, that sounds like such a terrible experience. Oh my god, imagine how I felt with that controller in my hand. Super pumped to play this game, and I hear Vegan, like we're not going anywhere. We're going to right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh my god. Oh, no, that's so bad. I know, I know Red and Clank was in Dutch, but I mean with those games, I can imagine because it's like a family game or it looks like a, a Pixar or an animation movie. So oh, I can't no. imagine people wanting to play those games with their kids in Dutch. But imagine Mario saying, Woohoo! Uh, I don't know. And like that would be such a horrible experience. Oh my god. I know that like for example, Animal Crossing New Horizons is in Dutch, but that that doesn't have voice acting. It's no. just text. Yeah. And even that makes me like kind of cringe. <laughs> yeah. But oh my goodness, it had Dutch vo- wow, that is crazy. I think a lot of PS3 games had Dutch voice acting. And it's wow. just oh, but it's the same like <laughs> the Dutch when you play a game now. I mean, if your uh, if your PlayStation is in Dutch, 
all the games text gets localized in Dutch. So all the menus and stuff like that are also in Dutch. I sometimes yep. see people sharing stuff. And I'm like, why are you playing this in Dutch? Why? Because it's easier for them. I, but I sometimes get that, but... things get lost in translation. So they talk about a mechanic or something you have to use. I'm like, I have no idea what this is. And then you switch to English. You're like, wow, is this what they meant? Why didn't they use another word for this? FYI, we're both native speakers, so that's not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> just before yeah. people think like we're not native speakers, we are. Yeah, we are. It's just mm, the Dutch language. No, no, we're not going anywhere, Drake. We're going. Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, my I mean, again, a plus for effort. I'm not. I'm not yeah. like I'm not dissing that or anything. It's just. It's more interesting if you do it as kind of a feature than the main attraction. Let yeah. me just put it that. I wonder if it's like for a lot of games, French and Italian and Ger a lot of games are localized in those games as well. I wonder if it's maybe more common for those people because as far as I can remember, since the existence of, let's say, the PlayStation 1 era or maybe the PS2 era, a lot of games have been localized in German, French, Spanish, uh, stuff like that and and dutch was like a one-off language and that really was a big thing with the ps3 era so i think maybe for other languages it's a bit more common than for our small country to have dutch localization if it's a european game odds are they are available in different languages that's something that i found out a couple of years ago, um, with even with the retro games, for example, Secret of Mana, my favorite game of all time, has a German version, like a German language version that they sold in Germany. Um, they uh, back when Dragon Ball Z was popular, and they were bringing out games on the Super Famicom. The only countries that got Dragon Ball fighting games were France and Spain. And they were in French and Spanish. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy that even back then they were doing it. It's just that Dutch is really rare, rare unless it's like aimed at children. Yeah. Then they'll put in the effort to do Like, for example, Smurfs games, they're always in all European languages. Um, anything that's aimed at children is always in all European languages because they have to be able to sell it to all European languages and the kids should be able to understand it. The only, the only outlier for that is Pokemon. Pokemon is available in a whole bunch of languages, including two versions of, of Chinese traditional and uh, traditional in Mandarin and even in Russian, but not in Dutch. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, again, Dutch, the only people that speak it are like half of Belgium, the Netherlands, and the 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 the, the, the Dutch Caribbeans. So, yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, another game I'm looking forward to is because uh, we had like this huge side tangent. Is uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you do that because there's not a lot to talk about, so we just talk yeah. about stuff that are on our minds. Um, Returnal, the game made by House Marquee or House Mark, is the... did that have a date? Yeah, it got a release date recently. It's coming out March nineteenth, and um, it, it looks really cool. I mean, it remind as I said before, it reminds me of uh, 
like a Mass Effect Andromeda meets something like Alien. And it, it's mm. kind of the same as like with 12 minutes, you, uh, you're stuck in a death loop, but every time you die, something in the world or the world itself changes. Um, and they've shown a little bit more gameplay because they're doing a, a, a podcast on their own YouTube channel. And they showed a little oh, bit more yeah. gameplay. Game looks amazing and uh, combat looks pretty cool. Um, I, I got some uh, vanquishy vibes from it because uh, the character also has a suit that can like, jetpack around and stuff like that. Um, that that's looking really, really cool. Um, I wonder, it's, it's, it's almost yeah, it's two months out and then we get it. Um, so yeah, I think we're also going to get Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart soon because at the time they said it will come out in the launch window of the PS5. So I think it's either this month or next month that we'll get Ratchet and Clank, um, which I'm I'm excited for. Normally I'm not, but for some reason I am for this one. I always did like them. I didn't play them all, but they always looked really, really pretty. I am curious about it, just more more of the technical aspect of it, because I think outside of uh, Astro's Playroom, this might be the other game that really takes advantage of the full PlayStation 5 DualSense experience. I think so as well. So I'm curious about that specifically for that aspect. I am not, I've never, have I ever touched a Regiment Grand game? I don't think so. You got one for free with PS Plus, at least if you claimed it or not. I might have claimed it. I do not remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and speaking of which, I thought I claimed the the, the Nathan Drake collection. Apparently, I haven't. Or I have to double check because I was checking it a while ago. I was like, why can't I find the Nathan Drake collection? But uh, yeah, I'd have to double check because if I don't, I'm going to be a little bit sad because I was thinking of putting that on my uh, to-do list for uh, 2021. I have the, <clears throat> the Nathan Drake collection on disc as well as digital if I can lend you the disc version. Awesome. Yeah. Another another game we're looking at, least I'm really looking forward to, is Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Oh, I cannot wait. That, that trailer game. was so good. Oh. And yet we haven't heard stuff since the only thing that we know is that they delayed the game they have been even though though they didn't really give us a release window yeah they said this year but they have been releasing more screenshots recently also Mm -hmm. more in the dark and stuff like that i think i saw a few on their instagram channel as well for ember labs and looks really really pretty but i mean with these kind of games I'm always a bit cautious because it can look amazingly beautiful, but if it doesn't have the gameplay to back it up, it becomes nothing more than a really great tech demo. And that's why I think, for example, something like Astro surprised a lot of people because everybody was thinking, oh, yeah, that's just a tech demo to show off the DualSense. But it turned out to be a great game you got for free, and it was just really fun. Yeah, and I think think Sony have finally embraced... Astro as their mascot. Because yeah. they've, yeah. if you really think about it, Sony has had a mascot identity crisis for, for since forever. Because they technically lost all the mascots that they got. You know, uh, uh, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro. Um, I think for some time they tried to bank on Medieval. Yeah, or G- I mean, like, 
They lost or a lot of games in the PS3 era, which were kind of iconic for PlayStation, such as Final Fantasy and Grand Theft Auto and Crash Bandicoot. Like a lot of games that have been traditionally exclusive on PS, on PlayStation, just went multi-platform. And I think that they tried to kind of build their own mascot. And I think for the PS3 era, that was Nathan Drake, kind of. And for the PS4 era, it's been difficult because they've had so many great games. But, I mean, like, we got three Uncharted games in one generation on the PS3, but we didn't get any sequels of any games in the same generation, or at least that I can think of. I mean, we got... Or then God of War, you mean? Like, we got one God of War on the PS4. We got one Horizon on the PS4, one Infamous. Okay, maybe two Uncharted, but I don't know if you count Lost Legacy. We got one Ghost of Tsushima, one Last of Us. So we didn't get, like, a lot of games sequeled in the PS4 gen, whereas with the PS3, it was two Infamous games, three Uncharted games, uh, a couple of Ratchet & Clank games. So, like, there, there was less mascot building, to put it that way. Yeah. I think if you have to pick one, if if you want a really strong female character, you'd go for Aloy, if you or or Ellie. If you want a real strong male character, you'd either go with God of War, Kratos. Kratos, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I guess Kratos would fit that bill, but Joel fits that bill too. Yeah, I guess so. Or I don't know. I mean, like I, the other day, I was talking to someone, and I said, like, the Order eighteen eighty six. It came out pretty early in the PlayStation's life cycle. And that game was, it still looks amazingly beautiful. And it's such a shame that they didn't do more with that game purely because it it was, I think it really wanted to show off what the PS4 was capable of. And it looks amazing. It had this really cinematic experience. It was just a really short game and it really restricted you. So it had like this, we have a path and you a linear path and you can only follow this path. You cannot deviate from this path. And I think a lot of people had issues with that um, because that, that whole world would have been an amazing sequel. Yeah. Ah, who knows? Uh, what, who knows what that brings? Um, we also have the sequel and I'm saying it sequel. I'm not calling it Breath of the Wild 2 anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I, will, I will explain myself and what we've been playing. But the sequel to Breath of the Wild, basically, we like we just said, 35th anniversary, uh, 35th anniversary of the Zelda franchise. If they're not bringing it out this year, I don't know what they've been doing because they've been plugging at this game for, let me see, at least four years now. Because Breath of the Wild came out in March of 2017, so 18, 19, 20. Yeah, so three three and a half years now. And if they're using the same engine, if they're using the same architect, it shouldn't be taking that long unless they're planning to simultaneously release it with the 35th anniversary. I guess we'll find out after March because that's when all the 35th anniversary Mario and the 30th anniversary of Fire Emblem stuff ends. And that's when everything is supposed to begin. So I think after March... Leading up to E3, we should be hearing more about that sequel. What is uh, E3 again? Uh, June? <laughs> no, I mean, like in the June period. Oh, what is E3? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't be like that. I genuinely wonder if we're gonna get an E3 this year because if if one thing has been proven last year is that a lot of developers, a lot of publishers can be really flexible and and also creative on just doing their own events. And I mean, if they do even a digital event only, I mean, I liked the Ubisoft Forward events. I liked the, the state of plays or the places showcases. Um, I didn't watch a lot of directs, but directs have always been good. Um, Microsoft has some work to do with their stuff, but they'll get there. Um, I mean, like, I, I think it has shown that everybody can be flexible and creative. And I wonder if something like uh, E3 is necessary at this point because um, it just costs a lot of money and it, and they can save a lot of money by not doing it. Well, that's that's from our perspective, right? It's like, what's the point? But the yeah. point of E3 has always been, and until proven otherwise, always will be a place where smaller developers, not just big developers, but smaller developers can also come and show off their games to not just uh, not just uh, game publications, but to publishers. If there's a developer out there that wants to show off their game for publication uh, through through like a publisher like EA Origins, that's the place where it's happening. Now they've been doing it over the past year. I don't know. I'm assuming that all of that all, all of it is done remotely. But something, it, I on the one part, I feel they can if if the ESA gets their act together and does an all digital thing where they coordinate stuff with you know the publishers and the developers out there to showcase their games to us and in the background also allow a way for uh publications and other industries to meet one another and interact with one with one another and make contacts that way i think that they have a home run because that's part of the reason why gdc exists it's to learn about game development, but also to network, to interact, to meet people, to exchange ideas, but also get deals. So I'm curious how both are going to work in that regard. Uh, both GDC, GDC is supposed to happen, I think, in March. As far as I can tell, we haven't heard anything about that. Uh, I'll have to check that later. E3, who knows how that's going to happen. I don't know. I really hope it's going to be something interesting, mostly for the smaller developers so they'd at least get a chance to get showcased. I mean, if they're not uh being if they're not if they're not being published by say for example Devolver Digital, they're not getting a so they're not getting a so showcase during E3. So I don't know. For me, I I hope E3 is still a thing. I hope the ESA really does get their act together and make it something worthwhile. And I hope that in doing so, they are able to get, you know, Jeff Keighley or whatever back in the fold and help. Maybe they should just be like, you know what? From the presentational aspect, Jeff Keighley, just do it for us. I think that would be the best thing for them to do. And then have the ESA just handle all the the back the back office stuff, all those meetings that they tend to organize and stuff like that. Do that. Yeah. The, I, I think I think most people would agree with that and then just have everybody else do their own like presentation thing like Ubisoft Connect and you know Nintendo Direct and 
It might just uh, state of play. I, I just wonder if, I mean, like, if you want to publish a game, if you just, if you don't need to, uh, uh, as an indie developer, there are so many ways to get your game out there these days. If you actually need to get into a space like an E3 to talk to a publisher, or if you can't just say like, well, there's the Epic Game Store, there's Steam Early Access, there's EA Originals. There are so many more ways to get your game out there that maybe that the traditional model of game publishing is, is becoming obsolete unless you have like a triple A game and you have a lot of funding or you need a huge marketing campaign. I mean, um, the funny thing is, is uh, I, I, I listen and watch this podcast called Play, Watch, Listen. I've mentioned it a couple of times. It's with uh, Alana Pierce and Troy Baker. And uh, one of the persons on there is Mike Bithell, who is a game director. And he made games like... Um, Thomas is Alone and uh, John Wick Hex. And I think during the lockdown last year, they made a game which is uh, a solitaire game. Uh, and they, they used, um, for example, Greg Miller is also in that game. But the funny thing is, is, is they made the game, uh, I don't know if I'm 100% correct, but from what I understood is, is they made the game while they were in, in lockdown. And then eventually they brought the game out on early access and inadvertently, he, I don't think it was his intention to do it that way, but just he, he mentioned it a couple of times on their podcast, saying like, hey, the game's going to come out, it's early access. So he kind of used the podcast both as a way to market the game, but also as a way to give people insight on how they came up with the game. Because that's one of the cool things about their podcast is because they're all from the industry, they can give all sorts of insights in which you normally don't get as a consumer. Um and because of that, that game became a huge success on Steam um, because he just, he, I mean, of course, he's done a lot on his own Twitter and he's all people like his games. But I think that because he used so, so many different ways to market his game and just bring it out as an early access game on Steam and, he, and they didn't even charge a crazy amount and the game is good. Um, I never knew solitaire games could be good. Um but apparently, the game is is what they would call a success. Yeah, I told you about Pocket Card Jockey, but you don't own a 3DS, so yeah, you can play it and experience that awesomeness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that shows that it just that maybe the traditional models are wrong. Like, I liked the Summer Game Fest that Jeff Keighley did. The only thing I didn't like is that it was spread out through weeks and there were multiple events and the calendar was completely mixed up. I didn't, it was so confusing that I just didn't know what to look at or when that I thought like, okay, but this is just confusing, you know? I, to be fair, let's give him credit because he was able to organize all of that in what a span of weeks, like a month at most. So I still feel it. it's impressive. If he actually had time to organize something like that, if he were to do, he, even he said, if he were to do Summer of Games again, um, he would tackle it a little bit more differently than he did it this time around. And I feel that he, now that he's done it at least once, he'll be able to figure out how to make a way more compact, um, a, 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 a slightly more compact, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, schedule. That's the word I was looking for, schedule. I don't. I didn't hate the fact that it was spread over, I think it was spread over two months. Um, because while well, you're sitting at home and it's summer in Royal Shore, are you, you going to do it during the pandemic, am I right, folks? <laughs> uh, but yeah, 
I feel that if he can pack that all in into one single month and then have all the necessary events around it come together, it would work just fine. Again, I would also like it if the ESA would just fully hire Jeff Jeff Keighley and just give him a blank check and let him go ham on what E3 is supposed to be, whether we're still in a super like lockdown pandemic state or not. I, uh, so. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, uh, I, I, I miss the excitement that an E3 brings because you always know in advance that, Hey, there are these press conferences happening and then you get surprised by, by all sorts of games. But at the same time, I mean, Sony surprised a lot of people with their showcase and the games they showed off there. I mean, that worked really well for me from the comfort of my home. So why? I mean, yeah. And I think like those events are, I mean, E3 press conferences are watched by millions of people around the world. So they know that it will be watched. It's not like that they hope that a lot of people will watch it. Um, yeah. I would say like, hey, let Jeff Keighley just do like a two-week event and then have the press conferences be before that event. And then maybe he can have some people over to go a little bit more in depth on certain games that publishers want to show off. And then it's done. The other thing that you have to take into it that we don't tackle um, at all, or even talk about is for the smaller developers, the reason why they seek publishers to publish their games is that they basically fork over the money for marketing you know if you want to do a big marketing campaign you can do a word of mouth and uh and, and for mike biddle it, it's handy because he has an stab he he is established right yeah. he has games out that are good i've played thomas was alone it's fun challenging <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean i'm looking at the other game that you're talking about right the solitaire conspiracy and it oh, looks yeah, interesting yeah. yeah and i'm definitely gonna pick it up because um, I want to, I want to see what it's all about. Because it looks, it it kind of has this spy game kind of feel to it. I'm really like it's flipping solitaire. I know, <laughs> so I know. So but that, the funny thing is, is it it's doing really well. I mean, I think the reviews are pretty positive, and uh, a lot of people are excited by it. And uh, I, I'm gonna be honest. I don't, I don't know if I can handle Greg Miller because he's he's a cool guy but he's a, a little bit too intense at times i know that he's hosted events <laughs> and panels and i'm like oh dude you just are sometimes a little bit too intense <laughs> but that's greg miller you know i feel like this game would have you could have easily put it in as a mini game in um cyberpunk and nobody would bat an eye because of all the neon in this game yeah <laughs> and at least they'd have a working game in there oh man don't go there. Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That was a low blow. Low blow. Low blow. I think uh, another game you are excited for is uh, Monster Hunter Rise. Oh my goodness, do I have a prediction for you on that one? Because I, I've, I've said it, but I said it before when they announced it during uh, um, the, the the Game Awards, right? When they were saying that there was going to be a new character announced, and then it happened to be Sephiroth. And I was a little, I might have been a little bit salty at that point. Just a tiny, tiny bit because I was expecting it to be the Monster Hunter. But considering that that game is coming out in March, my main thing is that they have to bring out 
Monster Hunter as a playable character in Smash. They just have to. So my prediction is before or around the time that Monster Hunter releases, either before or after, because we also have another Monster Hunter game coming out called Monster Hunter Stories 2, um, which is, even though it has a 2 in the title, it's not really a sequel to the first game that came on the 3DS. It's, I guess, what you would call a spiritual successor. I'm still not sure what they're going to do with it, if it's going to be an action RPG, because the original game was a turn-based one and had a bit of a Pokemon aspect to it, because you could collect the monsters and and fight alongside them, because that's the whole thing of Monster Hunter stories, is that you're not a hunter, you're what they call a rider. So you fight alongside the monsters, or you ride on the monsters. And they're like pint-sized versions of the monsters. For example... A Rathalos, I mean, I don't, if you've, I don't know if you've ever played a uh, Monster Hunter game or if you've seen some footage of it. I've played World The Rathalos is the, is the big red uh, wyvern that shoots flames out, of its, uh, flames out of its mouth. And in Monster Hunter stories, it's like this little, like, six-foot dragon thing, and it's kind of adorable. <laughs> And you can ride on it, and you can, you know, fight together. And, yeah, it's kind of weird, because Monster Hunter monsters are huge. That's kind of the whole point of them. So I'm curious to see how that's going to go. I I don't know what they're going to do with the gameplay of that, but they did say that there's going to be some cross-interaction. If you have the save file for Rise, it'll interact with the with the save file for stories and vice versa. I'm assuming it's just cosmetic stuff because that's what they always do. But either before that, during that, or after Rise comes out, they have to announce that Monster Hunter is coming to Smash. That's my big prediction. And if they don't do it, I'll be really sad. But also, I'm really excited for um, the demo that's coming out later this month. Um, so if you have a Switch, again, like, and if you've never played a Monster Hunter game, Play the Rise demo. I think there's a Monster Hunter World demo on consoles as well. So if you haven't checked out that, you can also check out that as well. Um, there's also a demo for the previous Monster Hunter that came out on Switch, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, which is a part of the 3DS game. So I honestly wouldn't recommend that because that plays a that actually kind of plays a bit different compared to um, Monster Hunter World, but same developers. The, the the same guys that made Monster Hunter Generations are the same guys that are working on Monster Hunter Rise. So, yeah, we'll see. But from what I've seen from the footage that they've released recently of all the weapons, oh, I'm so happy. The, the Oh, my goodness, the weapons are so awesome now because of the whole wire bug functionality that's going on in there. Oh, man. I So... A lot, of, a lot of seasoned players say this, but playing Monster Hunter is, or uh, using a Monster Hunter weapon is kind of like playing a Street Fighter character and learning how to use their moveset. Yeah, I had because every weapon has their moveset, and my main weapon right now in Monster Hunter World is the Switch Axe, but it wasn't always the case in generations on the 3DS and on uh, Monster Hunter Four. It was the hunting horn and the insect glaive. 
Um, but I never actually tried to play with the Insect Glaive in World for whatever reason. And I went to Switchblade, oh, sorry, Switch Axe uh, and Hunting Horn. And then I kind of left the Hunting Horn because I wasn't really happy with how the Hunting Horn works in World. It's not, it didn't feel as natural as it did in the previous games. And the Hunting Horn is really handy, especially if you're playing multiplayer, because you're basically the guy that does the the buffs on the characters. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, but from what I can see, they're actually revamping how the Hunting Horn works in Rise. So I'm really curious to see how that works, and I'm really curious to play with that. And I might tackle the Insect Glaive, but I'm definitely sticking to what I'm doing right now. So... Hunting Horn, Switch Axe, maybe Insect Glaive, and yeah, just have a good old time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried Monster Hunter World, but it's, it's what you say, is that you really have to kind of learn how to use all the moves, and that was a bit... I mean, as I said, it was my first Monster Hunter game. It was a bit a bit too overwhelming for me, in which I thought, like, you know what, never mind. And um, I think uh, if I were to maybe play it with you or someone else that knows about it, I would maybe get into it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm at that point that I want to get into it because it's just, uh, I have this, I make it bigger in my head than it is, that it's just so overwhelming. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm a little bit more careful. But the, and this is from the past game. And even at something that I do uh, agree to in this case is that Monster Hunter as a series is a game that you play with a sensei. So basically a seasoned player of the games that can guide you through it and play with you so that you essentially don't lose interest. Um, because I've, I've, I've had that same experience before because when I played it for the first time, I played Monster Hunter uh, Freedom Unite on the PSP. That's literally the only reason why I bought a PSP. Wow. Um, I know that Monster Hunter was really popular on the PSP. It really was because you had ad hoc play and everybody went to like a cafe and then played there because they had designated places in cafes where people could come together and play Monster Hunter on PSP and then later on 3DS. Um, so like the portable games tend to be way more popular than the than the console games. That's why Monster Hunter Robot's such a big deal because it it's the best sold one of the series. Um, on console, um, I think it even out outdid Monster Hunter Four, which was really which sold really well even in the West. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, that is definitely a game that you need a sensei for. And if you find a good sensei that can explain to you the mechanics and why you should stick with it and is able to be with you along the way then I know that you'll be able to enjoy the game to its fullest content. Because the the story part is only half of it. Once you've beat the story, that's when the game is really open for you because then you get to do the multiplayer stuff that is really challenging. And that's when you can challenge yourself and your friends to like hunting not just regular monsters, but variants that have different movesets and different attributes and whatnot. And they give some of the best armor parts. Nice. Um, so other than that, is, is there anything else that we kind of want to 
talk about in predictions. There's a lot. Um, but, uh, I mean, like, I think the most obvious is we're probably going to get a new Switch. All right, so I guess we have to get into that one, I guess. We'll um, have to get into that one, because that's the next big thing everybody wants. <laughs> Yeah, because the rumors will not stop, and they will why not are stop. You so, why is this always such a a burden on you when we talk about this topic? Like, like you are actually the one that is making the switch, and you constantly get asked about, "Hey, when's the switch pro coming out?" You constantly have to deny, it, like, "No, no, no, oh, there's no sorry, switch pro. <laughs> no," oh. and then you get locked up into your bunker again, and they tell you you can't leave until you fix, you come up with the switch pro. Do you want to know why this annoys the crap out of me? Yeah. Because the rumors have persisted since the Switch launched. That's one, right? I've been constantly hearing about a, 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 a Switch Pro or what, has, what it has transformed into is the new Switch or the next <laughs> Switch, which makes a lot more sense than the Switch Pro at this point. I don't think Nintendo will and- use that name. I don't think they will also use that name. My fear is that they're going to call it the new Nintendo Switch, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to slap someone in the face for that one. Um, but also, people who know me as a Nintendo fan keep coming up to me and asking me about, have you heard anything about the new Nintendo Switch or the, new, or, or the Switch Pro? Do you know anything about it? I'm like, I am just a fan, just as you, as, just as you are. I am not an industry man. I don't know what I'm a, I, like. I would be honored to be someone in the industry, like have industry insiders who feed me information. That sounds really cool, but I think that those people that have those industry insiders also have a secret hatred for it. Not, well, not so much hatred, but more of a. Uh, feeling of dread because they know stuff that they can't talk about in public until it's been announced. And if they dare to say something about it, um, the, the video game ninjas will descend upon them and take everything they've, they hold dear to their hearts. Besides (laughs) their life. Besides their life. You know, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I've, so for the past, three or so years, people come up to me and ask if I know anything about it or when it's coming out. And every time to see, I know as much as you do. I have no idea. I'm also just reading. But I think it's because, because you're, I'm just tired of hearing it. No, but you're like a passionate fan. And if, if like you, you're a go-to guy to ask those things to, because people know like, Oh yeah, but he's a fan and he knows a lot of stuff about it. And then you're kind of a victim of your own success that people just come up to you like, oh, well, he'll probably know. So why don't we ask him? I mean, people ask me stuff about PlayStation as well. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I just give them my two cents because, I mean, just I think it's it's more of a, you just, you look at everything you have. You look at all the data you have. You look at historical things they've done. You just like try to gather everything you know. And based on that, you make a prediction. But at the end of the day, it is just a prediction i mean um th- th- that's all you can do at this point there's not like you get a secret yeah. letter in your under your door and it's like you can only talk about uh, uh you can only talk about this after a certain date or if you mention a single word of this we will make you disappear and the world will never hear from you again or something like that you know <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll but if you're... Mushroom Kingdom or something, you know? I would actually pre- I'd enjoy that. It's funny, <laughs> I, I, I made this joke once to someone and he really couldn't appreciate it. I had to perform a, a chat or something. And that person that reached out to me was called Mario. So he's like, hey, how are you doing today? I'm like, hey, I'm doing good. How are you? How's life in the Mushroom Kingdom? And then he, and then he said, ah, oh, you're really funny. And I said like, you must get this all the time. He said, I get this every day, the whole day. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but you can't, I, I just can't help it. And at the end, well, I was really happy with the way he helped me. So I said, one up for you, Mario. Thank you so much. Enjoy life in the Mushroom Kingdom. And then he disconnected. I'm like, I don't think he liked that one up. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I can imagine that, that, that he did not appreciate that last one. <laughs> but like, it's well, the one up for the mushroom. I mean, come on. <sighs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sw- yeah. Next switch. Mm, they kind of have to do something. Yeah. I mean, the, the rumors. I mean, the rumors from a couple of months ago was developers have been told by Nintendo that they should make their games 4K ready. So not 4K, just ready for like whatever it is that they're gonna do with whatever, right? So the most logical thing is upscaling to 4K, which is, I, which is I think possible with the current, um, I think the current Tegra chipset that Nvidia has does 4K upscaling in the in the Nvidia Shield. Uh, so if if they were going to up, if they were going to switch to that chipset, then that there's a possibility of that happening, which is really cool and great. Because uh, the Switch, I feel that the Switch still has a lot to offer, and not a lot of people are utilizing, like I said, f- the full potential of the Switch. For example, Ring Fit Adventure. Did you know that that game uses amazing HD rumble to give you feedback on the stuff that you do? It's really good because you have to put one of the one of the Joy Cons in a strap that you strap to your left leg, and when you're doing leg exercises it vibrates to give you an indication of how you're doing the exercise. Wow. Which is really cool. The same thing also goes for the ring. The You put one on the ring, con, and when you squeeze it, you feel like the, the, the feedback of the ring itself, but the HD rumble also adds a little bit of feedback to that too. Especially when you're going through menus, you use the ring con to, you know, go up and down, so you turn it, mm-hmm. and the click of the wheel... It's what you feel. Oh, that's nice. That's that's really cool. Um, another one that I did not expect, and I was gonna tackle it, but I want to bring it up now for as an example for HD Rumble. Among Us on Switch uses HD Rumble. What? Really well for what? For environmental stuff. So, for example, one of the levels, I think it's no, it's not Polaris. Not the scale, because that's the ship. I forget. The the second one. The one where you have the lava pit. Yeah. When you get closer to the lava pit, you can feel the heat come... Well, it's kind of weird saying it that way, because you clearly don't feel heat. And if you do, you should have your switch checked out, because that's not what is supposed to happen. But <laughs> the, what the, the, the HD rum, rumble replicates... The sensation, what you would feel in the air, 
if you were near a bubbling cauldron of lava. That's pretty cool. That's the best I can do to explain it. And anything that has a specific feel to it, for example, heavy doors opening, you can feel it swifting open really heavily and going tonk. Wow. And you're like, oh, that feels really that like it it adds to the immersion of doing the chores. You uh, and the, feel something when you kill somebody? I've only been the imposter once so far. So, and I've only killed two people and I was way too nervous to notice if you <laughs> if you feel something when you kill someone. Uh, you do feel it when you get killed. Okay. So that, you know, that's fun. You've been killed a lot. It's, it's just like a, it's just like a, a like for example, if they use the 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 the, um, the animation where you get stabbed through the head. Yeah. Yeah, you feel like a sharp think. Oh, that's nice. And if and if you get the laser, you feel like a, a like a consistent rumble, like. Oh, nice. And then you're dead. And I like the one with the with the gun where he just pulls out a gun, he cocks the gun, and he shoots you in the head. That's I haven't been killed that way yet, oh, so yeah, I have I no like idea that if that if you feel like a gunshot wound to oh. your head or something like. That. But yeah, it's really crazy. Nice. It's really it's really crazy that they did that, and that, I didn't expect like, it. Neither did I. So again, kudos to the indie developers that are actually maximizing the potential of a system. You know, like yo, big developers over here, learn something from the developers from among us. But I, I have to say, like, and that's the same with uh, the haptic triggers on Assassin's Creed. I feel, and maybe it's because I'm paying a lot of attention to it because I want to know it. But in Valhalla, they've re only recently added. A haptic feedback to the triggers in the latest update came out two weeks ago and that's when you're racking your bow but it is so subtle that you don't notice it a lot and besides that i don't and maybe that's because i'm paying a lot of attention to it i don't feel as much it feels like there's less rumble in these games than on the ps4 for example because i would expect when i hit my axe against someone's shield i would feel that in a different way and maybe if i hit their shield in a specific area that only that part of my controller would give me feedback instead of the whole controller i'm like there's so much possibilities with this but nobody's using it besides the first party and that's such a shame yeah so the whole thing with that is i think they're using just the standard api that comes with the dual sense to yeah. do that and also um HB, the HD Rumble has a similar thing where if you're playing something with, for example, the Pro Controller, the Rumble feels way more subtle than it does in traditional Rumble. And that literally has to do with how HD, you know, like haptic does feedback. The Pro Controller have HD Rumble? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it does. Okay, cool. It's the same thing as, on, as, as in the Joy-Cons, but that's the whole thing, right? The way that haptic rumble works is way different than just like a spinning motor yeah it's an accentuator that does it very subtly so yeah. even with more intense games unless they specifically tune it to be intensive it's not mm. yeah that's why i like the, the part in astro when you first play astro the dual sense kind of gets built up from from little cubes and then you feel it just being built up in your hand and they really nailed that part. It's really nice. Yeah. Again, wow. that's why I, honestly, that's why uh, I'm really, really want to play the PlayStation five, just to play Astro, Astro's uh, playroom and, uh, 
and experience that. I'm really curious about the dual sense. I, I had to get used to the controller because I, I love the DualShock 4. But um, now that I've been able to put in some time, I, I I never expected it to have this. Also because just the way it fits in your hands and the feel. The only thing I have is, is I want a black DualSense because that just looks so sleek. I just can't get over the dual tone. And I mean, I saw a uh, a retro PS2 skin or a PS2 in PS5 PS2 skin as well mm-hmm. for the controller. And that just looks so amazing. I'm like, oh my God, if my PS5 could look like a PS2, oh, oh that would look so nice. Well, it has the color scheme to work for it with the blue lighting and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I think uh, uh, we've predicted yeah. enough... Uh, We've almost been at it for 90 minutes. <laughs> and we still have to do what we've been playing. Yeah. Uh, wow. And we thought that it was going to be short. <laughs> there is, there are a few, few quick things I want to bring up, not to discuss it, just to bring it up as a prediction. Um, we still haven't heard anything about Bayonetta 3. We know right. that they're working on it. Yeah. But when that's going to come out, I don't know. Maybe it's this year. Maybe it's next year. I honestly don't know. Um, we know that they're working on stuff, like you said before, they're working on stuff at Sony. Um, what I predict is that we might, we might see either enhanced versions coming out of certain games. Last of Us Part 2. For example, like Last of Us Part 2. So, though, I think... What they'll do for those is one of two things: is that either they bring it out and it's a reduced cost, I hope, or if they were really charitable, is basically give you the chance to upgrade from your current version, which I highly doubt that they would do that, or at least I highly doubt they do it for free. Other than that, we have, yeah, no, no, not Sony. Oh, I, I have a nice prediction. I have a nice prediction. We might yeah. actually see something for Anthem Next or Anthem 2.0 or whatever it's called. Ah, good point. Good because point. it's been in February. It will be two years. Two years. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think you're right. I think we're, we might see something about that. But I don't think we're going to hear anything about it until middle of the year. Yeah, they're uh, when doing EA the, has their EA Play. Yeah, they're doing the... the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which is all three Mass Effect games. And it's supposed to come out in the spring, which I think starts in March. So yeah, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Um, the other speaking of uh, speaking of games of that caliber, we also have um, what do we also have to look forward to in that sense? Um, ah, right. We also have a few things to look forward to as well from from the JRPG side of things. Uh, Tales of Arise um, was supposed to come out last year, but then it got delayed. But we haven't heard hide nor hair from it. They've shown some footage here and there, but not a lot. So if it's going to come out this year, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure we'll hear more about that because that game has been in development for quite some time. And it's a really big shift because it's going full action JRPG. So people are really looking forward to that and see if they actually are able to pull it off. Um, Because I still personally feel that their move to 3D was not as successful as they hoped it would be. 
not that they made bad games, but I feel like they could have been better. Um, I've been playing uh, Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition on Switch. It's a good game, uh, but I think maybe having a seamless open world where you could do complete action uh, action battles, action-based battles will be better for them because it's always been an action RPG, but with random encounters. And if you take the random encounters away, I think it's going to be a way better experience for that. We are supposed to be seeing two new, well, two games from the uh, Shimagami Tensei franchise. So Nocturne, uh, the remake for that is already out in Japan. Uh, that should be coming out sometime this year as well in the West. Uh, apparently there are some performance issues with the game in the Japanese version. So hopefully when that comes out, they've solved that problem. And of course, uh, Shimagami Tensei 5 uh, is also slated for this year. We also only have one trailer for that one as well. So hopefully it's going to come out this year. I'm curious about how that's going to be like because Shimagami Tensei 4 was really good on the on the on the 3DS, and I'm really curious about what they're doing with uh, Shimagami Tensei 5 in terms of gameplay and story. And uh, that's that's it for for some of my predictions. Nice. Um, I don't have any. I mean, I've talked about things I'm looking forward to, and that's basically it. <laughs> All right, so stick around, people, and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. All righty, welcome back to our second segment. What have you been playing? As always, what have you been playing, Maximilian? Well, I've been playing... Uh, I've actually been finishing some games actually quite lately, but let me just part of the stuff that I've actually been playing. So over the, over the past week, I had the pleasure of actually playing some Among Us finally. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like a proper, a proper match because I actually did play it before um, once with random people on my phone. Oh, nice. But it's never the same when you play it with people you know because you can tap into the personal stuff. At least that's what we always do. And it was around and it was around the time when the craze was really taking off. And I was it was more of just trying to figure out what it was. And there was no voice chat. So I played it and I was like, okay, I don't really get it until I saw gameplay of people playing it. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is not something that you just play with randoms because it's not as interesting or fun. And I was telling about you about my experience about this before, and <laughs> I I got to be the imposter once throughout the entire session, and I was so nervous. I survived one round of voting, which oh, nice, lucky me, um, mostly because I'm so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so nervous into like trying to throw people off because that is not a thing that I'm good at. <laughs> Maybe I should not say that. Dang. Um, <laughs> so at the second time when I killed my single person, they, they figured out that it was me and then they ejected me. But there are some times that were just... so. There, okay, so there's this one guy. We both know this guy, right? And um, 
Is it the rocket scientist? No, it's not the rocket scientist because he he did not get a chance to even be it. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> like he had, like the whole session. I think we played for about two hours or so. Yeah, he was never the imposter. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's um, um. Let's call him D. Okay. Yeah. So you know D. You know mutual friend, and. This one was really funny because there was a sabotage, as always. Um, this was, I think it was in the Polaris level. Um, you know, the big ship with the balcony. Yeah. And there was, an, there was an emergency in the reactor room. So everybody, and I do mean everybody, goes into the reactor room. I was behind. So by the time I got there... Um, everybody was already in the reactor room trying to get the reactor back in order. Yeah. What happened then is that everybody then, after that happened, was kind of scurrying about. I was the only one that left, and D was following me. Uh-oh. And I was like, oh, this bastard is the imposter. And sure enough, <laughs> when we got away just far enough, he killed me. And instantly did a self-report. Oh, I love those. Unfortunately, because we were the only ones missing at the point, they all knew that it was him. Oh, yeah. You always have to do it with people around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. I mean, if you... if you, I've had instances... And it's, it's just, oh, I've had instances in which I'm in... Uh, I, I perform the kill, and then I just run away because I need to kind of create the sense that I'm walking into the room and seeing it for the first time. Yeah. Then I just run away. And then, for example, in electrical, I just uh, vent out and then people don't see me. And then I, I walk back in and then I see somebody walk out of electrical because they haven't seen the body yet. And then I do the self-report. I'm like, yeah, I saw Max leaving electrical and there was a body. And I don't know why he didn't self-report it. And there was like, people were like, what? And then if you're lucky, people will, will jump on it. And they'll say like, yeah, yeah, but Max has been running out of a while and he hasn't been doing any tasks. And I don't know why. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to accuse him or anything. Cause I, I use that tactic a lot. I don't want to accuse him. I just, uh, I just, I'm just calling out what I see, man. And I'm seeing this and this and this. And then if, if you pull it off, you will get ejected. And then I would have had a double kill. I've killed once with my blade, for example, and one through a vote. And then it just makes it out easier. And then in the end, if I'm really, really tight, I, I use some dirty tricks. I wouldn't call them dirty tricks, but I pull off uh, an oxygen uh, alert. And then I go towards the button. And then I just wait for another person to appear. And then I slash that person. And then the timer just counts down. And then I win. <laughs> Oh man, the first few the first few games. I did like literally the first game, I did not notice that there was a dead body in electrical. Always so I wasn't I wasn't electrical. There were two other people there. And the one that got killed was the rocket scientist. Oh no. And he after that after that first round, he's like, Did you not see my body? I'm like <laughs> No, I did not see your body. I was at the electrical because the lights went out. So I tried to fix it. Then someone else fixed it. And I went my way. I did not notice your stupid body. And yeah. it happened twice. Actually. Uh, electrical is <laughs> like the favorite killing spot of an imposter because you can, 
it's really hard to see people there or you can even do like a, a self-report with a third person in the room and then you can accuse the third person in the room. And if you're good at lying, you can get the third person ejected. Someone tried to do that and they got caught. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> well, I'm okay. I was there, but I was also the one that was killed. But the other person noticed it and was like, no, it's yeah. that guy. Yeah, I see that they've added new stuff because it's been a while since I played it. But I, I see that they've added things like proximity chat and stuff like that. So you should be able to do more now. Um, so I'm really curious to see if it's changed the experience a bit. Because one thing I really miss in the game is, is when you play with two imposters, is for a way for the imposters to just communicate with each other so they can come up with a tactic. Mm. Because... Um, Sometimes you want to do a double kill with the with the second imposter, and you you kind of have to hope or f feel each other, and you're like, okay, if I kill this person, will he understand that he needs to slice the other one as well? Because otherwise, I'm screwed, and then it's my word against theirs, you know. And if you're unlucky, the other imposter will turn on you because he'll he'll be like, yeah, but we need to to win the game, and if I have to sacrifice you for the greater good, I will because we want to win this game, you know. I've had those instances as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it's a shame you couldn't be there. Uh, Gizmo was there. Oh, nice! And uh, he was it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he got called out a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've had instances in which when I I think in the first week that I started playing it in the in in one evening we played it for like two or three hours. I was the imposter four times in a row, and because of that, nobody trusts me anymore. So if I play with with the other group of friends of mine, they're always like, they eject me first because uh, they just don't trust me. So I have to put in a lot of effort to convince them that I'm not the imposter, even when I am. So, yeah, I mean, it can work against you if you're the imposter too often. Yeah. And the, 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 was a, the first thing that I learned is... Like pay it, lit, literally pay attention to everything that you do. Yep. Make a mental note of every step that you take and everything yep. that you do because people are going to use it against you. So like, because I, because the first time it happened, I was ex trying to explain to them like what I did, but I was like, oh wait, I kind of did like a bunch of stuff, and I only remember like the most important stuff, which is the tasks, yep. you know. And I've never played the game fully, so I don't know what all these tasks are. So that was a bit of a challenge. But as the game went on, you learn more about the tasks that are at, that you can do. Yep. You learn about things that can get sabotaged. So, yeah. um, it, it the, in the end, it was just so it was just so it, I, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. hopefully, next time you'll be there, and then we can do it again. And I just yeah, it's fun. Like if if if, if you're trying. To, People rediscovered this game at the perfect time. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. I'm People happy. rediscovered this game at such a great time. And them winning the awards that they did at the Game Awards, honestly, despite the fact that the game didn't come out last year, is actually completely justified. Because if it came, because if it came out when it did and people noticed it back then... I don't know if they would have won or even gotten nominated, but since it happened, if since people rediscovered it in a time where it was basically the perfect storm for it, it's really great to see that they're doing that. I think that's also the reason why we're seeing the console versions pop up, starting with the Switch. And again, like I said, if you insist on playing the console version whenever the other console versions come out, 
just remember the Switch version has really good haptic feedback with the HD Rumble, which I'm assuming they'll do with the PlayStation 5 version when that comes out. If it comes out, because I don't know if it's going to come out. Because I'm pre- because I know that because I know that um, they're putting a version out on Xbox. Yeah. So I wonder if it's going to come to Game Pass. So I think they'll also be doing it for PlayStation Five. It's just going to take some time. Yeah. Do because, you, you know they're like three people? Do you? How did you play it on the Switch? Yeah. Does how does it work with doing the tasks? Do you have to use the controls and the touchscreen, or only the touchscreen, or you can use both? Okay. That's, yeah, that's so one of the things. Like, how do the tasks work with? I mean, like the task where you have to. Turn knobs, I can imagine that you have to do like your analog sticks, but like the task where you have to connect wires, is that like just pressing the right button or something or? So I haven't, I haven't gotten that task yet with the wires. Um, For example, one of the things is redirecting uh, power to a certain part of the ship. And that is, it highlight, it automatically highlights which lever that you have to increase, mm-hmm. and you use the right analog stick for the most time to oh, okay. push it up or down. Some uh, some do use the analog sticks to like shift together, or you get like this big indicator that you move with the left analog stick, and then you use the right analog stick to like, for example, flick uh, debris into the the the, the chute, into the garbage chute. Um, or you press the button on the screen, or you press the button with the A button, and it like does things. So they've made it work with controls, but since the since you can't play in handheld mode, they also made sure that in handheld mode you can still use the touchscreen. Oh, that's although I feel that the I played mostly with just the controls because they work just fine. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because like, that's example, one of the things I was worried about. Yeah. So, like for example, navigation is just. Pointing at the right, pointing where it needs to go, and then to the other one, and then to the other one. Like that's it. Nice. Relatively simple. So it works. Uh, they, I would say, if outside of you know the HD Rumble, um, they figured out how to make the controls work with a con- with a controller. So I don't think anybody should worry when it comes to consoles. But the plus side to when it comes to consoles is that if you're all playing on consoles you probably have voice chat and it'll make it a bit more easier to do that way because we had to use uh, Zoom to do like the voice chat stuff. Does the game itself support voice chat? I don't know. But did you do the, did you do the also turning on the camera with Zoom? Yeah. So we turn off the camera when, you know, everybody's doing their thing. And, you know, if there's a report, you turn the camera and the mic back on. If you're dead, your camera and mic stay off. Because I... Um, I my my normal squad. Let me put it that way. The people I normally play with, it, we just do it through Discord, just with audio. But when I play with that group with Zoom and then the camera on, it's if you're the imposter, it's even harder to keep a straight face because you're like sometimes normally with, through Discord. If I have to laugh, I just turn off my mic and then I laugh and I turn my mic on. But now with the Zoom and the camera and you're looking at each other, I'm like, oh, man, I have to keep a straight face. It's so hard not to laugh or to give away that I'm the imposter. It, it does add like an extra layer to the game, which is really, really fun. Exactly. The, 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 oh, they were so mean. And I, still, and I still don't have an answer to this. But so this happened also when I was the imposter. They said that they could see that I was the imposter because the screen of my Switch was reflecting in my glasses. 
And I don't know if that was true or not, because even if that was the case, the resolution from the reflection that you're seeing on your screen should not be anywhere near high enough to see if I'm the imposter. I think you're, uh, if I remember correctly, your name is red when you're the imposter. Yeah. And that's how they might have seen it. And that's the thing, because they didn't answer, like, can you, like, how are you seeing that? Like, if they actually saw it. So I never got a straight uh, answer. Yeah. So after that, I was, like, really careful with where to put your switch. Making sure that when the camera is on, that it's not tilted in the way that it's reflected on my uh, But the funny thing is, is like, I've had, I've, I used to play it on mobile before I bought it on the on the PC. And I mean, when you're playing it on a phone, it's, I mean, I have big hands. So sometimes my, my, my thumb goes in the wrong place on the screen. So I've had instances in which it took me longer to complete a task. And because of that, people got suspicious because they said like, hey, but you're doing that task. It shouldn't take too long to do that task. And then I said like, yeah, but I'm, a, I'm a playing on a phone. And like, no, 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 we don't believe you. And a boop, they would just eject me. I'm like, but I'm not even the imposter. It just took me longer because I'm playing on a phone. And they're like, no, 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 that's not possible. You're just the imposter. So mean. I got ejected once because they thought that I was the imposter. And that was in one of the earlier rounds. And I was like, you know what? Good, fine, whatever. Good luck. And then we lost that round. Yeah, but if they, if, if they do that to me, if it's happened a couple of times, I really go into a... I, I turn mean. Then I'm like... You know what? And I start cursing. I'm like, I hope you all die because I'm not the imposter. And I hope he kills you all. And then you just follow. You know who the imposter is, of course, at that moment. You just follow them around. And if, if you lose, I'm, I'm like, hey, man, you ejected me. I, I don't care if we lost. <laughs> yeah, so personal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, man, it's so good. I want to play that again sometime soon. All right. So outside of that, <laughs> um, I've... Finally, uh, actually recently finished Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. And to say that I am absolutely shocked at how the story went is a bit of an understatement. Because I'm not going to spoil anything here because I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't played it yet. Um, or haven't even... Actually, you know what? I had an interaction recently that I re that made me realize that Talking about Hyrule Warriors to people that haven't played Breath of the Wild is kind of a spoiler. Okay. Finishing it, it's the worst kind of spoiler. And if you if if you were thinking, oh, this is because this is according to Nintendo, canon to the Breath of the Wild mythos. And you think, okay, it's a prequel, let me play the prequel. I'm telling you right now. Do not play the prequel until you've played Breath of the Wild. Because, really? <laughs> yeah, no. Like, in, in as least words I can possibly say without spoiling it, is that if you have not played Breath of the Wild and you decide to play Hyrule Warriors as the first game in the series of that story, this is your warning. You are going to see stuff that when you play Breath of the Wild will make no sense. Uh, okay. If you've played Breath of the Wild, it still doesn't make sense, but it brings up way more interesting questions when you do. Because now I have way more questions about how the sequel, and that's why I'm not calling it Breath of the Wild 2 anymore, this is truly going to be a sequel. What that means, 
who knows? I don't know. I don't know what they're planning. Now that I look back at the trailer for the sequel to Breath of the Wild, I'm like, this brings up way more questions than it used to. <laughs> <laughs> after after Age of Calamity, it brings up way more questions, and it should not have done that. Because the way the game's story is being presented should not lead to the end, not even just the ending, but the story structure that we followed. Everything for the first, I think, I think there are eight, eight or nine chapters. For the first three, four chapters, it makes sense if you've played Breath of the Wild. Basically, after chapter four, it makes no sense. Okay. And that is as vague as I can be. And even that, I feel like I just spoiled like a whole bunch of stuff for people. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know anymore. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that, at least for, for Age of Calamity. If you haven't played it yet, have you played Breath of the Wild? First of all, welcome. Go play that first. Then pick up Age of Calamity. And then we can talk. Because... Um, there are I there are a lot of questions that I need answers to, and I think the the sequel will give those answers. But in the meantime, I'm I think I might actually do something that I don't normally do, and is dive into a Reddit where they do conspiracy theories on game stories, and see if they can give me some answers because I I have so many questions. <laughs> and the only other thing that I've been playing, uh, I know that I said I was playing Nier Automata, but I haven't played in a while, um, mostly because of the holiday, so I wasn't home often. And to be fair, I'm playing on a base PlayStation 4 and doing remote play of that game. is not so pretty in remote play because it puts out in 720, it outputs in 720p, which means if the connection gets weaker, the Footage looks worse. Oh man! And it's a really pretty game, and I and it kind of soils it. With with Spider Man, it was okay because Spider Man is very colorful, yeah. and that works to its advantage. But for example, I couldn't play God of War in remote play because it just didn't look pretty. The same for Final Fantasy VII remake. I tried playing that remote play just for just for funsies. And it wasn't funsies because the game looked awful in 720p. Yeah. Um, especially when artifacting started happening, which is something that happens with remote play. But then again, my internet back then was still kind of crappy. I got better internet now, so I have less of an issue with artifacting. But the 720p downgrade is not worth it. So I haven't touched that one in a while. I should go back to that. I should finish that one. Um, but I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to play next on my Switch. Um, I've got plenty of options, but I I don't know. I, I need to narrow it down somehow. Um, hopefully, by the time you guys are listening to this, it has been narrowed down, so I don't know. But the other thing I've been playing is Monster Hunter World. Because I'm just that excited about Monster Hunter Rise. Whenever I see anything about Rise, I get super excited and I want to slay some monsters. So I've been doing that uh, with my buddy, um, um, we've, we've, we've done some sessions I've done, I've played on my own for a couple of bit. And then basically what I'm 
trying to do is just get through that story so that we can get to the real good quality hunts. And um, I still have the base Monster Hunter World. I want to finish the base game before I even decide if I'm going to pick up Iceborne. But considering that Rise is coming out, I might even I might not even pick up uh, Iceborne. I might just skip that altogether. Just do the base game, get the the armor that I want, get that done, and then just wait for Rise to come out and then play that instead. But it's been fun. I finally I'm almost done getting a Raffalos armor set. I got the weapon. I got the switch as the switch axe Raffalos uh, uh, axe. That was bit of, that was a bit of a challenge to get, but I finally got all the parts necessary to make that weapon, which is really cool. Um, like I said, I want to get back into learning how to play Hunting Horn, but I think I'm going to leave that for the Rise demo that comes out later this month. Um, when I don't know, seriously, Capcom, just like give it to us already. It'll probably be soon. I I'm assuming because they said it's a limited demo. Whatever that's supposed to mean. Like, is it? Are you gonna release it in a limited time? Is it gonna have a time limit? What does that wording mean? I don't know, and it kind of annoys me. But <laughs> other than that, but other than that, um, yeah, that's mostly what I've been playing. Chris, yeah, that's still good. Yeah, it's still good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chief? Ah, uh, I have one of those. Uh dips again that i just don't feel like playing anything but um before i kind of went into the dip i uh let me see i, I think i mentioned last time that i finished watchdogs legion and i uh, was playing yakuza kiwami 2 so i finished that one um i i'm really really a big fan of the yakuza games and i'm um, um i, I want to play uh, the whole collection so i think the kiryu saga is until yakuza 6 uh, and there's also like a prequel yakuza 0 i think um, so three, four, five, six. I want to play them. Uh, I haven't bought them yet, but I do have them on my list. And then um, after I finished Kiwami Two, I bought um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla because I uh, I'm an Assassin's Creed fan. I think I've played them all besides the the Rogue one. I still want to play that one as well. And um, the funny thing is, is that and a lot of people say this I've spoken to that play the game they say like either that they don't like the game or that the game feels just a little bit too different especially if you played Odyssey which was a really really good one um this game just feels different compared to Odyssey and it feels so uh, so massive in scale but at the same time it feels a little bit empty whereas it felt like in Odyssey it was the the world lived more um so I think I'm in around 14 hours, and how it works is, is you you key, you pick your character, Eivor, either a female or a male character, and then the first six hours of the game is in Norway, uh, which is already pretty big. And uh, after those six hours, you go to England with your tribe, and then or with your clan, and then um, the whole of England is uh, all of England, but a large part of England is uh, is available to you. Um, I'm still puzzling it out. I'm not that far ahead, I think, or at least it doesn't feel like that. Um, it's it's really nice that they've they've improved on the combat system. You can um, you can mix it all up. You can have dual wielding weapons. So like in in uh, Odyssey, it was like you either had a sword or you had dual wielding swords, and then they would be faster in attack but lower in damage, 
or you could have um, a spear, for example. Here, you can just mix it up. You can have an axe and a hammer, or an axe and a shield, or even a shield and a shield. I don't know why you'd want that, but you can. Um, I mainly use a two-handed axe because it deals the most damage. Um, a, a fun thing, or a fun thing, a thing that they finally added that I felt that Assassin's Creed always should have had but never had, and it, it sounds maybe weird, but it just fits into the whole combat system is dismemberment. So you can, in previous games you couldn't, but now in this Assassin's Creed game you can, in, when you do finishers, he chops off arms, legs, heads. And it sounds pretty gruesome, but before you, I, I see your face, but before you pull a face like that, I mean, in the first few Assassin's Creed's you had the counter combat system. Uh, and those counters were really cool to see. But like, to finish it off, you would expect him to like, okay, but now this in this sequence, you expect a hand or an arm or a head to be chopped off because that would kind of be like ending the sequence properly and it wasn't in there. And now here it is in there. And some it, it's kind of like in God of War, you know, when you pull people apart or when you, I don't know, do stuff like that. It 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 is part of God of War. And as strange as it sounds, I'm, I'm kind of happy that they added to it because it adds to that Viking... Uh, gruesome rawr, feeling, you know, and um, I've had finishing moves in which I used the two-handed axe in which he chopped off both legs and then he chopped off a head. And I was like, whoa, you know, it's, it's it's gruesome, but it's it adds something to the game. I don't know why. Um, that was a, a, a unsurprised addition. Um, you don't get a lot of gear as in Odyssey. So in, in, in Odyssey, you would constantly pick up new gear. And here, I, I rarely pick up new gear. Uh, I think they want to emphasize more that you need to upgrade your weapons as it is. They need to gather materials for it, and you can upgrade the weapons you already have, uh, which is nice. Um, yeah. I, I it makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I really want to play with the sword. I just haven't been able to find a proper sword because I, I like the sword and shield combo. But yeah, I haven't been able to find that one. Um, exploration is really nice. It still has the synchronization towers into it, so you have to climb up the high places and sync. I mean, that's staple Assassin's Creed. I don't mind. It's not a Ubisoft game if it doesn't have towers, man. Yeah, but like, if they took it out of Assassin's Creed, I'd be missing something. I mean, if they add it to other games, I don't miss that, but here I miss it. So it's it's nice to have it in there, but it's also cool to see that you don't have all your skills from the get-go. So how it works is that um, your, your brother from another mother, to put it that way, Sigurd, he is, uh, he's been off in other lands and he's met other people and he kind of brings in these two people that are part of the assassin order and they have come to England because the order of the ancients is there as well and they kind of want to take care of it and they teach you something like the leap of faith, which is such a signature move. So you can't do that from the beginning. So I didn't know that. So I fell to my death a couple of times expecting, oh, I can just do a leap of faith because that's what you do but that's a move you have to learn you know same goes for the hidden blade you learn that or you get that ability the more you progress in the story instead of just having it from the get-go um i mean that that way it kind of eases you into the assassin's combat which is nice um so, so i like that but I, again i've stopped playing it because I just don't feel like playing games, so I will probably pick it up because I want to see where the story goes, but for now, there's a small hole in Assassin's Creed. 
I, I just think it's hilarious that you have to learn the leap of faith. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't expect it. But so. it's like you, you, it's basically this image. Don't know leap of faith leaps to their doom. This is how you do leap of faith. Now you don't die. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> why does that? Why does that? Why would that even make sense? I think from, they do it from a narrative perspective because you're not an assassin. Mm. You're a Viking, and you learn uh, how to do assassin. Things, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, the other game I've been playing a little bit of is Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I mean, I've, I've been going. Yeah, I mean, they've they've done another round of hot fixes and patches, and I've played a little bit. Um, again, I I know that the internet is riddled with bugs and and whatnot. The funny thing is, is I'm I'm in a in a in a group, and there are some people in there, and they talk about games, but they don't see the full picture or they don't have the whole story. So yesterday, one of them said, oh, wow, Cyberpunk 2077 looks so awful. It's such an ugly game. Even GTA 4 or 5 is better than that game and more polished. And I'm like, you're comparing apples to oranges. This is seriously not the right comparison to make. And um, you do realize that this game has sold 13 million copies regardless of refunds. So they're still doing something good. Um, I have some issues with the game. If, if I do an alt tab, for example, it crashes. Not that I do those often, but the few instances that I had to do it, the game crashed on me. And I mean, there are some minor visual things in the game that happen that just take me out of the experience. So I don't mind just waiting out a little bit longer for some from bigger patches to come out because that way I'll be at least be able to experience the game fully. So I don't mind. But so far, I mean. I like the game. It's it's gorgeous. It really plays nice. You can approach a lot of scenarios in different ways, which I really like. Um, my character is is more of the. I mean, there's a and I can't go into too much details because I'll spoil a lot. But there's, the, there's a mission in which you have to steal an item, and um, you can either stealth your way through the mission, or you can just go Rambo and guns blazing. And I just made a quick save and I tried both ways because I wasn't sure if it was possible. But eventually I was able to stealth the whole mission and also learn other tricks while I was doing it. Um, so that really added something to the to my experience because, I mean, I, I like having choice in games. And, and I, I like if they give me a few options. I don't want the sky is the limit, do whatever you want because then I get overwhelmed with choice. But here I really liked that there was just a few paths you can just take and... Um, They've added so much, there's just a lot of density in the world. You know, it's it's not a super big open world, but it's a living open world and they really sell you on it. And that's just so cool to see. I mean, there are instances in which I'm just walking across the street and then I, I hear gunshots and I'm looking and I see like these gangs fighting with each other and you can just mingle in and fight with them um, or you can just stealth them or, you know. You can, I, I, it's, it's a crazy mix, but I have a revolver with a silencer on it, which just looks crazy, but it deals a lot of damage. Um, and then my character looks hideous because at this point, I'm just equipping the, 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 the things with the most stats, not because I want the coolest looking character, but I want the best spec character. Um, so eventually I do hope to get kind of like stuff that looks really cool on my character because my, my V looks pretty badass. Um, and it's also cool because I play as the, the corpo uh, life path. So it's cool to see that if you spec into certain things, you can give certain answers that are specific to your life path, 
my character is a bit cocky, so he can just, you know, give those smart ass answers sometimes, which is, uh, which adds something to it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of cyberpunk. I, um, I would say if you have the game on the P, if you want to play the game on the PS4 or an Xbox one, just wait out until those big patches come out. They will probably make the experience even better. If you are a PS5 owner and you want to play the game, wait till the PS5 version comes out because that will definitely be the better game. And if you're playing it on PC, you know, just go ahead and play it on the PC. It is the it's the best version is the PC version. And if you can stand to have a few minor issues uh, or, or small thingy, then that doesn't hold you back, then go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And totally agree on that. Otherwise, wait. Yeah, I mean, like, you will There's be rewarded. Yeah, you, your patience will be rewarded, you know? I mean, just wait it out. And, I mean, I'm even thinking about buying the PS5 version when it comes out because I want to be able to experience the game on the PS5 as well because that's how much I like the game. And I rarely buy games twice. Yeah. Unless it's Sleeping Dogs. Um, and besides that, oh, I played um, the Epic Game Store had their Christmas giveaway, so they give a game away every day. And uh, I got Jurassic uh, World Evolution yesterday. I was re- I really I missed, like, the game. I missed like ten games. Oh, I missed them a lot. I, I, I started, and then I just when the holiday hit. I had the same thing. I was able to claim inside because I, I wanted to play that game. But the funny thing is this: there was this list floating around before the actual list came out and there were games on that list like horizon zero dawn and death stranding and i was like whoa they they cannot have done this if they did this they threw a lot of money at it you know and then it turned out to be something completely else but still nice games on it and um i I played a little bit of uh, jurassic world evolution which is made by the people behind the roller coaster tycoon and planet coaster and elite dangerous and it's really fun you just have to build a, a Jurassic Park and you're actually on the islands of the game, uh, of the movie. And, um, you know, you have to research fossils and that way you can make uh, your uh, your dinosaurs and you can even genetically modify the dinosaurs to have different traits. I'm not that far that I can do that. You can research upgrades and you can upgrade the park and there are like... A, three divisions the entertainment the security and the scientist division and they offer you contracts for for money because you need money to operate the park but doing certain things with one might decrease your standing with the other and you can send your dig teams all over the world to recover fossils you can use to uh increase the the genomes of the dinosaurs i even had a moment in which I had a couple of dinosaurs walking around in my park and then I had a carnivore dinosaur, kind of like a a mini T-Rex. And then all of a sudden I get this notification that one of my dinosaurs' health is low. I'm like, what? And I look and this carnivore is just attacking my other dinosaurs and he started feeding on them. I'm like, what the hell? But this is not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be nice and play along. And then I thought like, but this is just the way nature works. It's survival of the fittest, you know? And then I was like, oh, no, my my dinosaur is dead. And then the funny thing is, is you can build a ranger station and then those rangers can fix stuff or tranquilize dinosaurs or even help your dinosaurs when, they're, when they have a disease. And you can just take over one of those Jeeps and you can just drive around in the game. That was really cool. You can see everything up close. And you can take pictures of the dinosaurs, which are even certain missions you have to do. Or like, 
wow, this game is so, so extensive. There's so much stuff to do. And I mean, growing up with Jurassic Park, I remember this was like a kid's dream come true. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, just uh, while you were doing that, I also claimed my copy. Oh, nice. So, and then I was like, you know what? Let me see if it's available on GeForce Now, because that's how I play most of my PC games these days. You are, I think... It's on there for Steam. Oh, and only the Steam version. That sucks. Oh, also learned something really annoying, which I should have brought up sooner. So I've been playing a lot of GeForce now, and I keep talking about how great I find it. By the way, we're not sponsored by them. I'm not sponsored by them. I just really love the service because I have a crappy 10-year-old PC. Don't at me. However, I found out something really annoying recently. Games that do not support uh, any kind of backup in the cloud, like, for example, if you're playing a game that you bought on Steam, Steam Cloud, will not have your saves. So how do you save your saves? You don't. But how can you continue on playing the game? It always starts you with a new save. Oh, that's like having a PlayStation 1 without a memory card. And I, and I found out when I played Astroneer. Because Astroneer oh. on Steam does not support Steam Cloud. So for the developers for Astroneer, I love your game. I really want to play more of it on GeForce Now. Please support uh, Steam Cloud. I would really appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of people would appreciate it. Because, for example, when Kerbal Space Program was still on GeForce Now, that supports Steam Cloud. And I could play with my base and that was really awesome I could just pick up where i left off the same goes for uh tomb raider the 2013 one which i finally finished i talked about it the last time which i played on ultra settings with the the, the nvidia physics engine on so the hair was like flapping in the wind and stuff it's <laughs> really cool it looks really cool i know at the time i loved it I had to look it up again from when it came out. The game came out in 2013. Looks really good. Uh, yeah. It holds up, yeah. you know, on Mac settings. <laughs> Not on my crappy rig, uh, where it ran on, like, I think 15 frames per second. Oh, so, nice. That's like yeah. the, the ultra. Astroneer was, Astroneer was worse. Yeah? It ran at 5 frames per second. Oh, my. Wow. But maybe that's because they use voxels and it needs to calculate more and it's also procedurally generated. Yeah. Uh, Astroneer is it's fun. It's basically the same issue that I had with Kerbal. That's why I still mm. cry. I, I still shed a single tear every day that Kerbal is still not back on GeForce Now. The worst part is this Kerbal 2 got pushed to like 2022 or something like that. Wait, what? Yeah, I think it was like last year that they said it got pushed to 20. Because it was going to come out in 2020. Then they pushed it to 2021. I think now they pushed it to 22. I'm sad now. It is a sad day. For Maximilian X. And on <laughs> that note... <laughs> I, I, know, I know that the rocket scientist, I'm pretty sure he is aware of that, so I know that he's sad. I didn't bring it up. You know, the funny him. thing is, is, is he was always like, uh, oh, I don't need a game PC. Or he was always making fun of us playing on game PCs. And now he wants to get a game PC for himself. And he's super into VR. And now he's like, yeah, and I want a game PC. And I want this. And I want that. And I want a 3080. And I'm like... Good luck finding a 3080. You're not going to get one. And he's like, well, as soon as I find a 3080, I'm going to build my whole computer. I'm like, oh, no. He can wait because the 3080 Ti is about to come out. So Yeah, or I, I was like, 
I, I also want to upgrade my graphics card, but it's so hard to get one. I eventually thought, like, you know what? I might as well just wait for the 3080 Super or whatever in the summer because a lot of people don't buy the Supers because they don't offer that big of a leap. But I'm coming off a 2070 Super, so for me, everything is an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be able to play Total War Troy or uh, Three Kingdoms in Ultra in 4K at a minimum of 60 FPS. That is just the only reason I want... A new graphics card because a lot of games start supporting DLSS. Oh, and I, I would love to play Cyberpunk on Ultra uh, 4K, but like a lot of games are starting to support DLSS, which is a huge performance game, which is really nice. I think like a game like um, Flight Simulator would benefit tremendously from DLSS. Yeah. Def oh yeah, that game definitely. Does yeah, because there's no no graphics card at this moment that can run that game on 4K Ultra 60 FPS. Maybe if you use two 3090s in SLI, but SLI is on its way out. So yeah, yeah, ah. crazy. Um, I think we've come to the end, have we not? Yes, we have. On that note, I shall take us out. So thank you for tuning in to this first episode of season three of Game Rivals. It's been an incredible journey and we will keep on hopefully with you on this journey because it's been so much fun. Um, we've been talking to more and more people that are listening to episodes and it's, it's really fun to hear people mention those early episodes we made where we're like, oh no, we actually said that? Oh no, we have this whole series where we bash Stadia. I'm kind of embarrassed that we did that. <laughs> so sorry for that. Probably it's never like going to an entire year. Yeah, it's like probably we'll never be able to work with Google now because they know that like, oh, those guys are on the blacklist. But <laughs> anyways, uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms, uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, uh, Chromecast, we're, we're everywhere. Um, you can leave a voice message through the Anchor app or the link in the description. If you do, you don't have to make an account for that. We might even feature you as a game rival. Um, we have a Twitter, at game underscore rivals underscore. You can find Maximilian on Twitter, at Maximilian underscore X. No, just Maximilian. Oh, at Maximilian. Um, you can email us, gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. Um, we have... Two Instagrams. One is the Game Rivals one. That's where I'm mainly at. And then we also have the the, um, the one for Maximilian, which is at Maximilian underscore X. And I just want to give a huge shout out to everybody that's been supporting us. I mean, we've reached over a thousand on the Game Rivals uh, account. Thank you, everybody, so much for your support, your feedback, your lovely messages, your comments. And thank you all so much for for getting Maximilian. He recently started out his account and he's already at 200. So thank you all so much for supporting him as well. He's got some awesome Nintendo content uh, on his page. So show him the love he deserves because he's just a really nice guy. Uh, oh, God, gee, thanks. <laughs> like, hey, uh, you know, it's, it's just cool. And I'm like, I, I just loved... In the beginning, when when we started using the, the Instagram, I told you as well, like at some days I was completely tired when i would lie in bed because you talk to so many people about games which is is, is really nice because it's a passion but the, but if you talk about games the whole day eventually you just you're like tired you know lying in bed I'm like oh my god my head hurts i've talked about games the whole day but in the end like you you build these relationships with people and there's just so many fun stories and fun things you hear from people um and the fun thing about that is is we're, we're hopefully going to be able to do some 
guest appearances with all these people we've been talking to as well, which makes it even more fun because, you know, we, 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 we've built this kind of game rivals community and family, and we're finally be able to interact more with these people. Um, which hopefully makes it better for you as the audience as well. Because, I mean, you keep hearing from us all the time, but we also think it's really fun to let other people's voices be heard here as well. As it also changes up the dynamic a little bit instead of us going out about the Nintendo and the Sony game every other two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, um, thank you for that. Uh, do you have anything you want to add? Um, no, just my thanks. Uh legit seriously from the bottom of my heart thank you guys uh for the support um like sean said reaching 200 within a month of being uh, of starting of starting my account on instagram that that's just crazy um hopefully more of you guys will follow me more of you guys will i like talking to you guys on, on online it's just really fun having fun conversations about video games and like you know shared interests um it's been a blast uh, hopefully, uh, we all, I mean, uh, for, for us and for me, the podcast is just a big, a big passion, a, a big thing that we're doing because we love talking about video games, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this. Um, we're not doing it, you know, to do anything spe specific other than share the love of video gaming, uh, with, with, uh, not just each other, but with all of you guys out there. And, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, so hopefully as the podcast is growing, hopefully we'll, we'll actually get some voice messages because we still don't get anything, but I know that we'll get them in the, in the future. Um, the, your feedback is also always appreciated because that's how we can make the show better for you guys as well. And we've got a lot of stuff planned for the next year um, that we would love to discuss with you guys. We're, We'll we'll talk about it a bit more in the in the in the coming in the coming weeks, uh coming months about it. Um so look forward to look forward to that. I know that we've been teasing the YouTube channel a lot, but this year we're really gonna get get on that. Um starting with something hopefully that you'll see around the time uh, that this episode is out or when this ep or after the episode is out, you'll probably see that. Um and yeah. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And I hope 2020, as annoyingly painful as it was, that you're able to make it through, that your loved ones were able to make it through. And uh, hopefully 2021 will be a bit better, but who knows what the future brings. And all I can say is hopefully, as you've been listening to us now, you continue to listen to us and continue to interact with us. And uh, we continue to just send out the, the good word that is gaming. So say we all. All right. And on that note, I have been and will always be Sean Templar. And I have been and will always be Maximilian X. And we'll catch you on the next one. Later. Later.